This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse for free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 5, Episode 20. More dialogue exercises. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. To refresh you on the rules here, I had people send in pieces of dialogue-only writing. Um, no blocking, no description, no dialogue tags, and their challenge was to introduce a problem and two distinct characters using the just dialogue. All right, I'm going to read some of it to you. As a warning, this podcast will go probably around 20 minutes instead of 15 uh, to account for all the time we spend reading. I'm sure people will complain. We shouldn't be in here. You are always such a baby. We won't get caught. We hardly ever get caught. You know this time is different. So what? So we shouldn't be in here. So I want to see what my father is hiding. Plus, it can't be that bad or, he wouldn't ha- or we wouldn't have made it past him. Or maybe he wanted us to get by so he could catch us. Hmm, I didn't think of that. Oh, well, I think my distraction will give us at least 10 minutes. Distraction? Don't worry about that. The last time you said don't worry, I got, you caught my bed on fire. I told you it was an accident. My dad's teachings and forgive and forget. Take, take dad's teachings and forgive and forget. That was my fault, sorry. All right, so um, what do you guys think about this piece? What criticism can we offer the person who wrote it? Um, I thought uh, they did a fairly good job of uh, giving the characters, the two characters, very different personalities. There's the one who's afraid and the one who is overconfident. Right. And I especially liked a lot of the dialogue that the overconfident speaker got. Like right at the beginning, uh, he or she says, we won't get caught, we hardly ever get caught. Right. Which are two kind of contradictory statements right. that really speak to how overconfident this person is. That they're going out on a limb, but they're just gung-ho anyway. And the other character, you can, you can, uh, you can hear some of that. Uh, we have gotten caught in the past. I fear consequences because I have suffered consequences before. And mm-hmm. that's, that's coming through in and, the And uh, we got a few specific dialogue. examples of yeah. consequences they've suffered before. Although catching the bed on fire was, well, that's obviously a consequence, but it mm-hmm. didn't yeah. sound like a, a punishment, a consequence of having gotten caught. It's a consequence yeah, of that's, a that's really true. good distraction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually going to read a little piece more of this because um, I want, I want uh, listeners to hear... Um, and I want okay, to talk about uh, the banter. So well, um, they said, forgive and forget. Well, it's pretty hard to forget in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping with half a blanket. You can curl up. Yeah, see how comfortable that is when I take your blanket. Shut up. No, I won't. Listen, dimwit. What is that? I don't know because you keep talking. We quiet. I don't like the sound of that. Let's get out of here. After seeing what is making the sound, it must be what father is hiding. Father must be hiding it for a good reason. Can we please go? Stop being a baby. I'm not a baby. Um, and it goes on like that for pretty much the entire thing. Um, and so because it's we, pretty hard to open up the box and have, yeah. So, so what, what do we think about banter like that? What's, a, what's our uh, writing excuses pontification upon banter? <laughs> per the exercise, yes. um, it starts to fall apart. Yeah. Uh, in a book, you interrupt something like that with, uh, right. with blocking, and yeah. it's awesome. Right. So um, I think this is really good practice 
yeah. for, the, um, for the author to be doing. Um, mm-hmm. This doesn't stand on its own as well as some of the other pieces, but that's simply the limitations. Yeah, I guess that's, that's what I'm, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's what I'm yeah. saying. The, yeah. the exercise, this is very fulfilling of the exercise, yeah. but if I were trying to write short fiction that was just dialogue tags, right. I wouldn't approach it this way. Right. Um, or not dialogue tags, the, just dialogue. Just dialogue. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we do have to differentiate um, for ourselves and for our listeners that these aren't intended to necessarily be standalone stories. This is an exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as writers... It's really useful to do these things sometimes. I actually do them myself um, in between books to try and practice different aspects of writing. And doing something like this can really help you see how writing changes when you put these restrictions on yourself. And then you can blend it in with other types of writing. A writer doing this is like the the trumpet player, the piano player doing scales and arpeggios. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we can critique the form and the <laughs> yeah. the pitch and everything of the scale and the arpeggio, but we're not going to talk about why you wouldn't use that mm-hmm. on stage. Now, just like, you know, flamboyant musical, you know, extemporizing or whatever, banter is very hard to do right. Yeah. Very fast-paced character banter is very difficult for the reasons we're seeing here. Because mm-hmm. either you have no dialogue tags and it starts to get muddy, or you have dialogue tags and the pace slows down. Yeah. And having written a farce, yes, I can attest to how difficult this is to do right. Um, and practice and good writing group actually comments is pretty a easy great way to do it. Once you are able to draw pictures yeah. to go with it. <laughs> I, I, do, I do banter a lot. Yeah, well, and, see, and visually, banter and works, exactly. works better visually because you don't well. have to when you're rely on the other yeah. things. Yeah. When you're screenwriting, mm-hmm. um, you've got the actors, you know, the whole visual medium supporting it, and it's, Definitely. it's awesome. Yeah. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to this piece, to the, to the author of this piece, and to, to all of you out there. Um, banter is great. Um, if I were speaking, and I guess perhaps I am, to the person who um, wrote this, <laughs> I would take a look at this and say, what can I do with this banter to better evoke character and to make it more interesting? Because as it stands, um, what it's evoking, it's doing some, some things. It's, it's, for instance, it's giving us the sibling relationship, which we're all familiar with. It's putting us on familiar ground. We've all been there. We've all he- heard kids. We've all heard them arguing. Um, and yet part of this just wants me... To, to make me engage my shut up, you stupid kids instinct, which is probably good. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you can do banter in a way that will move more things. It will move more character. Yep. It will move more plot. It will tell us more. And they start to do it with a, hey, what's that? I can't hear because you're talking. Yes. But there needs to be more meat to this banter. The example I was going to give is uh, uh, one of the characters says, what is it? Shut up, dimwit. Yeah. Yeah, shut up, dimwit. Listen, dimwit. Listen, dimwit, and gets interrupted with, Mom said not to call me that. Yes. And, wow, (laughs) suddenly... There you go. Yeah, suddenly we have a whole... One of the things, one of the directions this conversation started to go in the, you know, shut up, dimwit sequence was um, the roles kind of got reversed a little bit. The overconfident character was suddenly the nervous character because he or she heard something. And that is a nice, meaty place to take banter because it is altering the the character parameters a little bit but again that's very difficult to pull off unless you can slow down for a sentence or two of description rabbit season duck season rabbit season duck yeah. season duck season rabbit season <gasps> and visually that lets you know aha they have just switched without visuals without dialogue tags when those roles are reversed 
it becomes less effective instead of more effective. We watched that Looney Tunes DVD, and my kids would play rabbit season, duck season, all the way to grandma's house, which is a 10-hour drive. <laughs> okay, then. All That's right, why your that children are all notes. dead. <laughs> our book of the week. Dan, you've got another one for us this yes, week. Yes, our book of the week this week is Empire of the East by Fred Saberhagen. Saberhagen, after I finished... Um, you know, Lloyd Alexander and, and J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, Saberhagen is the next fantasy author that I turn to with Empire of the East and his sword series, and I just loved them. Uh, they are a large part of the reason I wanted to become a writer. Empire of the East was originally published as three novellas. Uh, they are now all collected together, and Audible has them all as, as a single novel, unabridged. Um, about a very intriguing fantasy world that very early on you start to recognize technological elements and earth elements and realize that this is not just a fantasy world, but it is a near future earth fantasy world, which then colors the rest of it and the exploration uh, of that mystery uh, becomes the rest of the story. It's, it's a really great fantasy that I, I recommend. I'll have to um, ask Harriet if she worked on that one. Um, it's a tour book and Harriet was Saberhagen, Harriet uh, McDougall, Robert yeah. Jordan's widow, mm -hmm. was, was Saberhagen's editor. Really? Well. Yes. So. Then she does fine work. Yes. So um, I would be very interested. Yeah. Download it at, uh, well, go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse, kick off a 14-day free trial, and you can uh, download this one, have a, have a listen for free, and support, support the, podcast. the podcast. Yeah. All right. Let's do another dialogue ex exercise. Yes, let's. All right. I think we should stick together. Why? We don't know what's going on. Ever since we got back to shore, we haven't seen one living soul. I just don't think it's a good idea to split up. I'm just going to walk to town for some gas. We're in the middle of nowhere. It's no surprise we haven't seen anyone. I'll be back in a couple of hours. You need to stay here and watch our stuff. I'd really like to come with you. I'm pretty sure our gear is safe. What about the, those kids we saw camped on the north shore of the lake? We want them to come o you want them to come over here and steal our boat for, or food or, worse yet, our beer? You mean the teenagers we haven't seen for the last four hours? Their tents are still there. Their campfire is still smoldering. They're probably just off in the woods doing what teenagers do best. Last night, we could hear them laughing clear across the lake. What do you hear now? Nothing, that's what. No laughing kids, no birds, not even any insects buzzing around. This doesn't strike you in the least bit odd? Fine, I'll admit it's a little per um, peculiar. But right now, I just need to focus on the task at hand. That truck is out of gas. I need to go get some so we can get out of here. And frankly, I'm not comfortable leaving it not to mention the boat, out here unattended. Maybe we missed something while we were out. Maybe a small storm moved through and scared everything off. Doesn't something like that make more sense than whatever it is you're, you're implying? Look, I, I suppose. It's just, well, I've got a bad feeling about this. Just lock yourself in the truck. Try to take a nap or something. Yeah, right. Okay, so uh, comments for this person. Oh, wait. It only goes on another two paragraphs. I'm oh, gonna, I'm okay. Gonna, look, just lock yourself in the truck. Try to take a nap or something. Yeah, right. I'm taking the rifle with me. You hold on to the pistol and keep it close. Nothing bad is going to happen. I'll be back before you know it, okay? I guess. Good. Oh, and Dad? What? I love you. Shut up, son. <laughs> okay. So. I don't think that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> um, a lot of this dialogue was... Uh, fairly stilted. Uh, yeah. it, it read very awkward to me, um, by which I mean it didn't sound like real people saying those lines. 
Yeah, I'm really glad we read this one, actually, because I was hoping one like this it, would come up. It, what it sounded um, like to me was, um, I need to get these descriptions mm -hmm. into this dialogue. Yes. And it was... A lot of narrative forced into dialogue. Yeah. Square peg pounded into a round hole. Yeah. Well, it's, um, I took away the, the opportunity to, to put in description, and so they put mm -hmm. it into the, the dialogue instead. Um, but I, I'm really glad this came up, like I said, because um, this is very common, um, particularly with newer writers. I don't get many pieces submitted to me like Jason's from um, several weeks ago. Uh -huh. um, most of the time I get this, particularly if I, if I tell um, you know, students to focus on their dialogue. Well, when they focus on their dialogue, they just shift everything into the dialogue, which is not what we're saying to do. Um, and you'll notice as, as listeners, if you listen to this, the, the paragraphs, they, they talk in long paragraphs. And just because yeah. I do that on this podcast does not mean <laughs> that it's going to be natural for, um, for fiction. Mm -hmm. And we keep telling you, Brandon, we want more banter and less expounding. And <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> Dad. Shut up, Dad. <laughs> I love you, Brandon. Um, and now that's another point. Um, yeah. Maybe I missed it, but I did not get the nature of that relationship until the final word. Yeah. I mean, um, it felt which, like they wanted that to be a zing at the end. Yeah. But I didn't feel a zing. I just felt that, oh, that should have been given to me earlier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Unless they were trying to make me laugh, mm -hmm. because it did. Um, but otherwise, I think having that much earlier would have changed the way we read everything. Um, part of the problem with the stilted dialogue is that both of them were doing it. Yeah. If only one of the characters talked that way, then it would have been identifiable as a character affectation. You know, right. this one is older, this one is more educated, this one is whatever. Um, and having the, the dad-son relationship much earlier, especially the very antagonistic dad-son relationship, I think would have flavored the entire sequence and made it a lot, uh, lot more natural. Um, what's some more advice on this one? Um, I really think pulling that, back yeah. on, oh, are you offering more advice? Are no, you no. asking us to, I, I'm, I'm offering more okay. advice. I'm okay. saying, um, you're trying to cram too much into this dialogue. Okay. And it's, yeah. um, what's going on is you're not trusting your readers enough. Um, and several of the other examples we've had, um, have, you've seen they're very short and they're trying to get things across by showing rather than telling. This is a really excellent example of someone doing a lot of telling. Yes. Instead of say, um, making us feel that the characters are creeped out or worried, they're instead saying, I am creeped out and worried because of this and this and this and this, mm -hmm. um, which the problem is, number one, those things aren't all that creepy. Um, yeah, it, it felt like they were overreacting. Yeah, it felt like they were overreacting. When instead, if they'd said, where are the dogs? The dogs, they're always here. Mm -hmm. Dad, what happened to the dogs? Oh, yeah. they just ran off. Yeah. Dogs don't do that, particularly all four of them. Yeah. yeah. You know? Now, now another, another case where you could pull this out is uh, one of the characters says, do you really want those kids to come over and steal our boat or our food or worse yet, our beer? Yeah. You know, you can break that down and say, do you really want those kids to come over and steal all our beer? And then yeah. the other guy says, is that really what you're most concerned about is the beer? Right. What if they take our food? Or then we'd starve. Better yet. Better yet. Um, you. I mean, all right. Let me let me back up a little bit. Uh, re rewriting the story. You know, we're telling a story <laughs> in which something horrible has happened and all the people have disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, these people have been out on the lake. They're coming back. And oh, no, the truck's out of gas. We've got to go get gas. Be serious here. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to take a $20 bill from your pocket, and you're going to walk over to those kids and see if they'll let you siphon a gallon of gas out of their, 
out of their vehicle so mm -hmm. that you can end there. So they're now have them wander through the kids' campsites. Hey, where'd everybody go? Well, I don't know where they went. You know, the, do you know these kids? Or yeah. I don't know these kids. And the discussion is now uh, a little more natural where you're talking about the fact that this campsite's empty and you're wondering where, where everybody is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's me rewriting the story, yeah. which I'm not allowed to do. I just, um, I think there's just too much being crammed in there. Um, all the other ones that were really working, it was much shorter. Um, and so shorten it. Try and, try and hint. I actually have a comment. Oh, producer Jordo. Hey. <laughs> I'm leaning uncomfortably close to Howard. So listen. <laughs> there's no such thing as uncomfortably close to Howard. Well, when he has his pants on. <laughs> um... We haven't had a Howard Pants joke in like four weeks. Good know, job, Jordo. Thank you. Man, we're going to have to take down that sign that says no Howard Pants jokes. We've been Howard Pants jokes free for three weeks. It's on now. Um, I couldn't read the whole sign. I just thought it said no Howard Pants. <laughs> anyway, this may be can of worm, but I've noticed that most of these are a large portion, at least you're reading. The only way they're differentiating the two people is one confident, one worried or scared. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking to myself, you know, Maybe this is a good time to mention that. No, that's a great thing. If, if, mm -hmm. if it's what most people are doing, then that's a clue that it may be something, number one, to look at and see if you're doing it and how can you differentiate yourself from the group. Um, and it does seem like we've got a lot of I'm scared, I'm overconfident mm -hmm. um, as, the, as the relationship. Well, it's, yeah, I wouldn't say scared versus overconfident. I would say Concerned. Con you, confidence yeah. level. Mm -hmm. You know, the, yeah. the, the master and the servant, the, uh, uh, which, you know, Jason's was, was an excellent example of that relationship. But what they're, what they're focusing on is disparity, and the easiest thing to pick on is, you know, confidence versus the lack thereof. Mm -hmm. All right, I really want to get to the, this um, next one. Okay, read right. this next Hit one. Us. Um, this is by Laura. You actually put her name on it. Um, Easy, Gilbert. The master will be furious if we kill the girl before it's time. But she's so heavy. Aren't virgins supposed to be light and innocent as air? Besides, you're the one who wanted to eat her. Shut up, gurgle brain. Just move her over to the opening in the unicorn's box. Shove her legs up in there. Yes, I've got her arms. Oomph. Damn human might as well be made of lead. Should have used a shorter box. Ah, oh, there. Good. Gall, I think it's waking. What, the girl or the unicorn? The unicorn. Then why aren't you whispering, you three-toed freak? I was whispering until you made me move the girl. Shut up. Get down and hand me the fire stick. I'll slip it under the lip of the box and wake the unicorn. Wait, we've only got one virgin. Are you sure she's lined up right? Gilbert, if everyone was finicky as you, we'd never get anything accomplished. I heard her heart beating, smelled rich and sweet. Gaw, we mustn't. She must be pure, unharmed. I know that. Her heart is over the hole. Unicorn's horn will pierce it easily. The mo moment it lifts its disgusting white head, the change will begin. Here's the stick, then. Good, good. Ah, delicious smell of burned flesh. Yes, you wake, you Richard, creature of peace. Wretched creature of peace. Aha. All right. There you go. Nice. What do we think? I think that not having descriptions is causing me to picture some <laughs> awkward. I know which line you're things. thinking of. Yes. <laughs> Clean rating. <laughs> clean rating, clean rating, clean, clean rating. rating. Need some dialogue tags. But yeah. uh, other than that, I, uh, I, love, I, I love hearing the monsters talk. Mm -hmm. It's always fun to uh, discover very early on that you're in the heads of the monsters. Right. And that mm -hmm. they are people, too. Um, it stands out from the pack by concept. 
Um, a lot of the back and forth, though, the banter is kind of fun. It's hard to keep track of it who's who and track. what's going on. Um, it might be the, I don't know, it's differentiating yourself, but it's not as elegant as some of the other ones. Yeah, they, they both seem very similar. What I noticed is that as much as I liked the, uh, the early part, when it starts explaining at the end what they're trying to do, yeah. it really started to fall apart, I think. And that's perhaps more an artifact of the the scenario, you know, the, the strictures of the, the exercise scenario. that you gave them, right. that they weren't allowed to describe anything. And so that, you know, writing this out normally, I think she would take that point to say, you know, to break down or, or explain in some other function. For that. I know. Yeah. We, we need awful. to stop doing that. But yeah. for everyone listening, you can tell... This is the point, you know, when they start explaining her heart is perfectly lined up over the hole and when the thing wakes up, it's going to stab her through the heart. That's where it becomes awkward. And mm -hmm. so that's where you can notice in your own writing, oh, I'm doing that thing that they talked about in the podcast. I need to stop. Well, and you can, I mean, in an exercise like this, you can try and think your way around um, moments like this. And when you start to get stuck into that big descriptive, you, get, you can say, okay, how can I do this in fewer words or mm -hmm. with more character and stop bogging us down with um, so much of these descriptions? One yeah. of the most difficult things that I do is the dialogue in the first panel of any given strip. Uh, because while I do expect that you know, the vast majority of my readers have read everything, um, I want you to be able to start at the first strip and know what's going on without feeling like I just bludgeoned you with you know, a summary of the last three days of strips. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always looking for that little snippet of dialogue that suggests, you know, we've moved forward in time about five minutes from the last strip. If you read the last strip, if you didn't, um, here you are in the middle of a conversation and it's interesting and you don't need to know what happened before. Let's just go. Yeah. And it's it's really difficult to do sometimes. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's easy and it flows quickly, but... Uh, now, now wow. here's me breaking the rules of your writing exercise. Okay. Um, because if, if I were doing this, you know, just writing this scene with these, we, these people trying to accidentally sacrifice a virgin, um, that, would, that would be the point where, I, you know, where, where it starts to become awkward and they start explaining the mechanics of it. Just go into description, but don't actually say what they're trying to do or why. You know? Say... Og and Thog yeah. flopped the virgin up in the right place in the box and woke up the unicorn. It woke up, and you know, this is obviously horrible narrative, right. but you know, you describe how the unicorn wakes up and stabs its heart, and you don't have to tell the reader that that's what they wanted because the fact that it happens and then they're happy about it, you go, oh, that's probably what they were trying to do. And then something happens and the reader goes, oh, well, that's probably why they were trying to do it. You know, and the reader can put all of this stuff together on their own without right. you having to hold their hand the whole way. All right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm loving that mythos. Yeah. Oh, you trick a unicorn into killing a virgin and the unicorn turns into a, I don't know what it turns into, transformation. A sad unicorn. Yes. <laughs> um, we are out of time. Um, way I'm gonna, out of time. Yeah, way out of time. I'm going to have Dan um, give us a... Um, Writing prompt, but while you do, I want to mention, I just noticed um, Empire of the East, the book of the week, mm -hmm. um, starts with two paragraphs of dialogue. Nice. Two big, thick paragraphs of dialogue. We're already 23 minutes into this. We so, should have read them. All right. I'm going to read those. <laughs> we'll just skip the writing prompt, and I'm just going to end us by reading um, some Saberhagen. Okay. Right? Nice. Hear me, for I am Ardeth, 
Ardeth, who rides the elephant, who rides, wields the lightning, who rends fortifications as the rushing, rushing passage of time consumes cheap cloth. You slay me in this avatar, but I live on in other human beings. I am Ardeth, and in the end I will slay thee, for, and thou wilt not live on. Hear me, Ekumen, neither by day nor by night will I slay thee, neither with the blade nor with the bow, neither with the edge of the hand nor with the fist, neither with the wet nor with the dry dot, dot, dot. The next line is him dying. Sweet. Talk about promises to the reader. Yeah. <laughs> there we are. Uh, this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save 